Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children go to bed. It is time once more for the Salty Speculation Podcast. As always, I am JJ Pudding Esquire the Third, and joining me, the man who gained his full education from the beer coasters at Weatherspoons. He is the one and only Nick the Lick McCree. Hello. <laughs> Every time, I never know what voice or noise he's going to come out with. And every time, he surprises (laughs) me. It gets me all the time. I don't know if that character was meant to be a special person or if it was Nick in the process of licking a lollipop. But either way, it was perfect. Thank you, (laughs) Nick, my friend. Like a lemon lollipop in In Lollyhammer. (laughs) Other than that, how are you good, sir? Are you ready for yet another emotional week of podcasting? I, I want it to be all the emotions. Fear, rage, and sobriety all in one. Sobriety? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think that's an emotion. Uh, have you had uh, a pre-emotional week, pre-podcasting, that has prepped you? Pre-podcasting. For, <laughs> pre-podcasting for such a recording. Indeed. Indeed, I have. It's been uh, unemotional. Has your week been filled with, I don't know, days Days and nights. Good. Days good. and nights. <laughs> I'm glad that we were able to get This is to the, the best point. intro ever. <laughs> just, this, is, this is why I would be a terrible interviewer. I never have any questions prepped. It's just, I'm just going to throw words at you and hope you respond. But either way, moving on from Nick's ridiculous week from what we've just heard. Uh, this episode, it's a bit of fun. A bit of the wacky. It's a bit of the downright bizarre today. Because we're on that strange monster sightings vibe. You know, weird creatures that go bump in the night, which people have happened to have spotted and then reported to the media. If you will. Nick, hmm. you're really good at this, and I know you've done it before. And you've probably you're done it like three or four through times. my mouth again. Later. I believe <laughs> that is the outro. But what I was going to ask is you always give this little wonderful description of what a cryptid actually is. For the lovely oh. little viewers at home, and I was, or listeners at home, because you know we're not, a, you know we're not. <laughs> they a can see me. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> I better put on some clothes. Um, <laughs> if you would give that lovely little description to the listeners at home, for some of those who might have forgotten what a cryptid is, or you know, just Dave. Sure. Uh, so uh, a cryptid is a creature or an animal that is, as of yet undiscovered by science or unrecognized by science but that is believed by people to exist uh, sometimes there is photographic evidence sometimes footprints things like that um, or just testimony by individuals that have seen or experienced said creature um, but there is no uh, concrete evidence or proof yet to suggest these things really do exist Exactly. And I, I always like Nick's description of that because he hits the nail on the head. And uh, he, he does it in such a way where it doesn't remove the fun out of cryptid hunting as well. Uh, you always get a lot of people online who seem to gatekeep a lot of what a cryptid might be. Um, and I've said this before. Um, Nick is always more of a fan of the cryptids that are more grounded in reality, if you will, which is perfectly acceptable. And I always like the idea of the ones that could be borderline supernatural. Um, not saying I believe in these things. I just like the stories, and that is that is it. And that, that's not to say that each of us don't like the other no, thing as well. It's just, I guess, where we fo- put most of our focuses. Yeah, exactly. And it's and and I I I fully agree with his point of view on it. Um, but you do get a lot of people online who will gatekeep one or the other, and they'll say things like, for example, Bigfoot. Uh, Bigfoot, probably the most famous cryptid on the planet. 
um you know people will say oh yeah that's encrypted always encrypted we don't know actually know what bigfoot is but then you'll have people that turn around and go oh no crypto he's not encrypted because he's clearly not real and they're like what do you think encrypted is yeah exactly yeah it's like how where where are you getting off that you set the rules for what cryptozoology is it is (laughs) (laughs) and that yeah that's an interesting point actually because i guess i guess there are no like real predefined rules and terms i guess it's just like it's just what people sort of think and what the, a general consensus is. And often, like you've just said, you have equal amounts of people in one camp and equal amounts of people in the other camp. So it's mm. it's kind of like the Wild West days of science, in a way, <laughs> you know, mm. um, or, or of biology, maybe. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I completely agree. But, you know, that's just that's just essentially what the descriptions of the cryptid is. I will say that... Um, been a slight bit disappointed um we've spent nearly two years at this point with the world on semi-lockdown and i realized that people didn't exactly stay in their houses they did go wandering we just lied about it um (laughs) but what we didn't do for a large portion of those two years was work (laughs) and i'm thinking with all this free time that people had there wasn't a lot of cryptid sightings over the last two years there's there's been a few but not as many i I think um we did touch on one of our episodes the other day that there's been a lot of nessie sightings and sightings but other than that nothing But Nessie was an easy one because, as as we explained, there was there's a webcam that's set. There's several yeah, webcams yeah. set up outside Loch Ness, twenty four seven. That people have just been obsessing over those absolute devoid of you know personality freaks um, sitting there watching a webcam twenty four hours a day. Yeah, I, I, I certainly didn't watch um, it or anything. Yeah, <laughs> you're included in that, right? And then there's Bigfoot because there's always going to be sightings of Bigfoot. It's, yeah. got, it's got to the point now where if you see a tall man in the distance with a beard, you've seen Bigfoot. So <laughs> it's it's just that's Dad? always exactly <laughs> you're always going to think that there's going to be um, you know a Bigfoot story somewhere. But yeah. other creatures, there hasn't been a lot of sightings. No, which no. is, which is, you know, it's been kind of a bummer. Yeah, we we had a couple of big cat sightings around where I live, which was quite fascinating to me. But um, but since then, nothing. Um, yeah, are you are you sort of suggesting that you would have expected there to be more sightings? I thought with a lot more people going and exploring places and going for walks a lot more, mm. um, that things might have been sighted. Uh, yeah. It could be a thing that uh, could, of course, be a thing where it's actual normal people who have seen things, and because of that normal mentality that they have, they haven't wanted to go online and go, "Guys, I've seen a monster," <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. they might look mad. So yeah. they might have just kept it to themselves. You know, there's a whole yeah. lot of variables that could have been. But I am a little bit disappointed that you know cryptid sightings haven't gone through the roof in the last two years. But there's been one or two, uh, one or two. Well, I say one or two. One, which I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm going to be happy to share with you guys on this, okay. this episode. That sounds um, good. Which is good. So that's my little, um, my little preview. But I will say this: Halloween is approaching fast. What with it being midway through September, <laughs> and uh, of course, all the the stores are now selling their Halloween decorations and Christmas decorations may i add again it's september please stop that but anyway i digress please stop selling old right. decorations for anything so naturally because there is halloween stuff there is some truly truly spooky shit to watch 
and to listen to. Have you listened to any spooky shit recently, Nick? I tried to stay away from spooky shit. Doctor's order. Doctor's order, stay away from spooky shit. Well, close your ears. That and toffee apples. <laughs> and close your mouth as well, apparently. But close your ears, close your mouth, and listen to these two lovely freaks of nature. Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not scared. Are you? Oh, that's terrifying. I know, right? They said, turn your lights off to listen. No, I will not. Not with a theme song like that. Lights are on and a torch pointed at my face. That's the only way I will listen to that show. But yes, go and check out those lovely ladies at Homespun Hints. I know every time I try to say the name, it always comes out wrong. But I assure you, that is what they're called. So, go get them listened to. Moving. I believe you have a story for us, Nick. I do. I have a, a very scary, spooky story as well. Because you know, Do t- I need to t- turn t- the, the lights t- on? The season. Should do I get the lights, turn the lights on? on? Well, you probably do. Because otherwise... You might stub your toe, and I don't think I could live with that on my conscience. Oh, see, every now and then you're really sweet, and then other times you're a dick. <laughs> today, today you're being sweet, and I appreciate that. But mostly, it's I mean, you could baby. have interpreted that as me calling you a big baby, but whatever. <laughs> and out comes the dick. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, there's always, you know, it's always fifty-fifty. You never quite know. <laughs> keeping it, keeping it moving. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story today, uh, and it's going to be about something that uh, a lot of people are going to already have a fairly decent understanding of. But bees, bees, yes, I bees said are cheese. important. Oh no, um, cheese can go suck a dick, but bees are important. <laughs> <laughs> bees are important, but this is not about the bees. It's actually about the birds. I, of course, am speaking of the lesser known part of the. Chernobyl disaster, the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Wow, we've gone like full depression here. Then we've we've <laughs> gone to the point where we're talking about Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know, I, I know everyone really is going to know about Chernobyl, but let me just do a little introduction on it, just in case there's anyone who doesn't or people have forgotten. On April the twenty sixth, nineteen eighty six, there was an incident involving a nuclear reactor whereby. Get out of town. <laughs> Get out of town. There was a nuclear reactor incident in there was. Chernobyl. <laughs> uh, did you hear about it? It was all over the news. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, we're not we're not making fun of the people that obviously died and lost their lives oh, and stuff. Not. It's a it's a tragic incident, but um we're gonna we're gonna laugh about things because that's just the way we are. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was a tragic incident, but I found it. Hilarious. I thought that's where we were going with that. <laughs> well, I wasn't alive to find it hilarious. So, um, but you know, um, <laughs> so like I said, there was a uh, accident at a nuclear um, power facility uh, where a nuclear reactor actually uh, burst and um, caught fire. Uh, what happened was the power was lost for a while, 
and this caused the reactor to become unstable, which then resulted in an accidental nuclear chain reaction, which caused multiple explosions and multiple fires. Which then and the buses were late, trains bus- stopped, and the airport was grounded. I imagine. I imagine all those things were true <laughs> at the time. Um, and this obviously all led to a uh, release of nuclear material into the air. Uh, approximately 120,000 people were evacuated from a 20-mile radius. The death Jeez. toll itself is hard to establish uh, because, obviously, over time, uh, nuclear radiation still has effects. You know, to this day, you still um, have people that were that are. Like, I think I, I read a thing where it was something like there's still over 15 people a year. That pass yeah. away from the long term effects. So it is still yeah. killing people. It's year, it's year 2021 yeah. and it's still happening. As, as of about 2019, it was estimated between four to 27,000 people have died in some way due to due to this uh, event. So um, it, it obviously was a was a big effect. Uh, and it's it was one of only two, I think, of the largest scale reactor um, destabilizations, if you will, yeah. um, that have ever happened. Um, to this day, Chernobyl is still like highly secured, uh, and it's still dangerously radioactive in certain parts. Although you can go and and visit. To you know, I, that's I'm glad you said that about the not about the the, the whole travesty. Obviously, that's horrible. But what I'm <laughs> saying is, really, I'm glad you said about people going to visit because I've noticed this a lot coming up online of yeah. people paying an absolute fortune to go and visit Chernobyl. Now, I yeah. get it. Um, because I'm very much in the same thing myself. I would, I'd love to go to these historical sites where mm. these big monumental things happened, and really get to grips with the history. But you know the thing about most of them is that most of them still can't kill you. Why would you go to Chernobyl? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just don't trust it. It's like unless I suddenly thought, do you know what I'm missing? An extra thumb. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that could be you really know. handy. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey, um, like, <laughs> I just don't see why people that why the hell they'd want to spend because it's not cheap either. It's not like a no, fifty quid no. excursion where you just go and have a look around. Yeah, and you have to be like guided, obviously. Um, and there's security equipment and detail, and obviously then flights getting over there, and I guess getting into a kind of restricted. Uh, Did you have landscape. to be double vaccinated? Because that's going to help. Oh, yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I, I'm sure if you spent long enough in the radiation, you'd be vaccinated. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, like I killed COVID nineteen through COVID four hundred. <laughs> that's how radioactive I am. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it is it is a very uh, popular thing, and it's been it's been quite popular for a while, especially now where you've got all the uh, influencers on social media. Who want to go and you know take pictures of themselves with uh, with all the decaying buildings and stuff? And there's a there's a sort of romantic feel and effect I think to the whole thing um, because there oh, aren't yeah. many I've, places I've, like I've that. I've often thought I'll take my other half to but... Chernobyl to drop, <laughs> drop down on one knee with a ring, come back up with six knees and four hands, and go. I've got your ring for all your new hands that you've grown. <laughs> Be with me forever as mutants under the ground. <laughs> I mean, it's one way to lock in a, a relationship, isn't it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> with radioactive poisoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can give you something that no one else can. <laughs> Seven handshakes at once. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, it, I think it's quite romanticised and quite popular now. Um, you're right. You're absolutely right. Do I need to go there enough that you know I could? 
I would want any radiation poisoning at all. No, I get, I sometimes get scared about touching my food after it's come out of the microwave. <laughs> you know, um, there, there's, there's a, there's an element of risk there that I'm not, I'm not prepared to take, but I do understand the fascination with it. Um, also, if you think of it from like a post-apocalyptic kind of point of view, it is one of the only places that really has that kind of vibe. Everything was, these people were evacuated, uh, you know, at quite short notice and, you know, things were just, things were just left um, as they were, you know, you've got plates of dinner that were still just sat there as the family were going to eat. They had to be evacuated. So it's kind of that moment in time yeah. capsule in a way. Yeah. Things like that. I, 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 I mean, obviously the, the, the accidents that precede them are, are horrible, but the, the moment in time capture thing is something that I've always found fascinating. It's like, you get hmm. the same sort of thing when volcanoes have erupted um, and like the, the people have been living close to the volcano like site, if you will. And when the ashes spread over and the magma and all that sort of stuff, you end up getting like snapshots of people captured. A fast the, fossilization. Yeah and, yeah, and that sort of stuff. And I realize it's absolutely horrible, but it's fascinating at the same mm. time. Yeah, and, but um, Pompeii. Uh, Pompeii, yes, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, that was the one I was thinking of. And do you know what? I couldn't get Thermopylae out of my head, and I'm thinking, that's Thermopylae is a very, that's, yeah. That's, that's a hard word to get into your head. Yeah, but it's, it's, I'm thinking, that's Spartans. There's nothing to do with the volcano there. It's, I was like, why is Thermopylae in my head? But it's like, um, it's it's like, the the whole concept of the the, the snapshot memory yeah. is is so it's it's oddly beautiful in a way, but it's, it's still yeah, incredibly, so incredibly tragic. You're um, right. You're right. Because obviously, you know, we don't before I suppose we had cameras, but before we had cameras and media equipment, you know, there really is no real way to mm. see what things were like, I guess. And this offers a glimpse. And there's a there's a fair few things like that around the globe. Mm. Um, you know, it's again, it's one of those <clears throat> incredibly morbid things to look into. Um, but it's hell of a, it's worth a hell of a read if you ever do get like get interested in the subject of that kind of thing. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, sure. But um, as I said, most people today know at least what basically happened with Chernobyl. They understand that a reactor, you know, released a lot of nuclear material into the atmosphere, and um, tragically, lots of people died. Uh, and they've had to, you know, cordon off the area. What a lot of people don't know is the story of the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Ooh. So, and and it wasn't something that I knew about until fairly recently, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, when I mm -hmm. heard stories. Um, but it's to me, it's quite fascinating. So, our first story in early 1986. So, good year. This, good year. The same, <laughs> you always do this. You say good year, and then I point out the massive flaw. So this was the same year that the reactor, you know, meltdown happened. All right, um, it was a, it was a semi good year. It was like you know, well, just, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were the good things happening. Right, okay. The reactor went, but we got a cryptid out of it. Okay, you know, fifty five. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so obviously, like I said, uh, the the meltdown was in April of 1986. So. This has to be obviously within the first couple of months of 1986. It doesn't state exactly when, but obviously it's got to be around then. Um, so in early 1986, reports started to circulate amongst employees of the plant that several members of staff had seen a shadowy figure uh, hanging around the perimeter fence during the early morning hours. 
Some said that this figure was watching them as they either finished or started their shifts and were leaving the car park. However, these stories were largely dismissed until one evening a female worker came running into the security office, screaming that she had just seen a strange creature near the car park. She went on to explain that she was walking over to her vehicle when she had heard rustling sounds in the trees around. She looked up and she saw a pair of red glowing eyes. There we are again. There we go with the reds. This is why he chose the story. Yeah, that's it. Uh, She saw a pair of red glowing eyes staring back at her. She also heard a hissing sound. And then a few moments later, a huge bird-like creature emerged from the darkness and flew into the night sky. Oh, wow. So So she actually saw it fly off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. it's yeah, obviously the description. I, I don't know if you've, if you, you've probably, I mean, you're the one who's researched this. You're the one who's obviously telling the story. So chances are you've probably come to this conclusion yourself. But it's sounding very, especially considering we're at Chernobyl here. Yeah. yeah. It's sounding very Mothmanny. Yes. Which and obviously is daft because Mothmanny, uh, Mothmanny is his new name. It's his nickname, by the way. <laughs> Mothmanny. Um, the moth, <laughs> moth, moth, and the Mothmanny. The Mothmanny, <laughs> um, of course, is. Is an, is an American cryptid slash supernatural thing, which, mm-hmm. of course, is often referred to as some sort of harbinger of something bad about to happen. Yeah. Um, and, well, you know, it seems to be, well, Chernobyl happened. That was a Wait, bad thing. Exactly. And it is well documented as being a thing with big wings and glowing red eyes. Um, exactly, yeah. Is it possible Mothman took a European holiday? It is, and um, th- we'll we'll come we'll come back to this. But but you're right. Mothman sightings were in um, obviously over in America, so there is a distance problem. Not that it's not possible that either there were several different creatures that are the same idea, or that Mothman maybe did take a European vacation somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mothman sightings were in 19, 1966 to 1967. This ah. is 1986. But again, that's not to say that. The creature wouldn't still have been around, so yeah. it's it's quite possible. But you're absolutely right. The um, the Mothman sightings were were credited to basically Mothman being a harbinger of peril and doom to come, mm. um, and this certainly obviously fits that idea. So we'll cut. We'll loop back around to that at the end if you if you like. Yeah, no, certainly. I was like a good, uh, you know. Uh, pre-death story. <laughs> you, see, <laughs> you see a thing, you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, within days of this report, others, uh, other employees of the plant started to come forward with similar accounts. Two caretakers were arriving at the plant for an early morning shift, and they both witnessed a dark figure with enormous wings circling around the plant in the skies above before it shrieked and flew away. And there's another report of another worker driving home one evening, and he had to swerve to avoid a large creature that had come flying towards him out of the sky, out of the darkness. Oh, God. So people were starting to get, well, employees were starting to get really uh, worried about this, and the rumours were circulating. The plant officials largely, largely disregarded these stories, as there was no real proof or evidence of the encounters. Um, Obviously, people would say, hey, I've seen this thing, but when security or whoever would go and investigate, 
there was no evidence to suggest that anything had been there and the creature had... Which is the case with so many cryptid stories, isn't it? It's always the way. They report <laughs> something, they come and have a look, nothing's been disturbed. There's no evidence left behind. They look at him like, Gary, you're going crazy again. And he's like, yeah. I'm not Jonathan! I saw it! <laughs> it was, I swear the car! And then they're like, there's not even any track marks on the road. Gary, yeah. you're 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 talking crazy. And then Gary goes home that night, and cries himself to sleep into a bottle of vodka. No, you you're absolutely right. Um, like I said, the plant officials largely disregarded these stories. No real proof, no real evidence. However, then the nightmares started to begin. Oh, a significant number of workers started to either turn up late to work or having to leave work early, stating that they were not feeling well. With those involved stating that they were having trouble sleeping and were having dreams involving this haunting figure with red eyes and a 20-foot wingspan. 20-foot? Jesus. That Which doesn't is mess about, pretty huge. I, I saw, um, I saw a, a Birds of Prey show the other day and they had an owl. No, 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 mate. That was Songs of Praise. It wasn't an owl. It was a bishop. Songs of Praise. Yeah, <laughs> the birds are singing. It, it wasn't. It wasn't wings. He just had a long robe. <laughs> I tried to tell you that at the time. <laughs> uh, I saw a I saw a Birds of Prey thing uh, the other weekend, and um, this owl had a six foot wingspan, and that was um, huge. Like uh, it just it it dwarfed the sky basically. So. It's easy kind of to, I think, for people to obviously in the moment get confused about measurements of, of especially something that's flying. At yeah. You. I mean, I, I mean, I, f I, f I fully understand it. When it comes to measurements and perspective, people are always a little bit yeah, with, yeah. with it. But I, I will tell you, this is just, just like like a personal thing that I've noticed it from from the amount of research that we've done into cryptids and and we have covered flying cryptids before mm -hmm. uh for those long-term listeners you might remember at one point we covered the thunderbirds um which was which was a fantastic episode not the puppets, um, not the puppets never the puppets That's but we had time. we had a sighting that we'd had from a from a, a friend of ours and listener of ours um who had seen a thunderbird themselves and what that got me into was looking at Thunderbird sightings and images of Thunderbirds. And very often you came across like owls, like big owls. Mm. And what it made me realize was that other than your standard barn owl, most owls are absolutely fucking terrifying to look at. <laughs> they are horrifying. It's it's their eyes, isn't it, as well? It's like, not just their yeah. eyes, it's the way their heads move, the way their yeah. body moves independently from the rest of them. <laughs> oh my god, they're like a terrifying chicken. Like if you hold a chicken by the no, waist and no, you move his nothing head. Like, nothing like a chicken. I look at chicken and think, mm, gravy. I look at owls and think, <laughs> I'm going to die. Um, oh, I it's like, I, I like owls. I like it. Yeah, you, you would, though. You would like the scary, demonic creature that hunts you in the night. <laughs> they're misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so these guys uh the staff started having these nightmares and quite a lot of staff members were obviously basically taking time off work and being in the ussr as they were the staff members were all promptly ordered to return to work and to ignore the <laughs> nightmares and to stop spreading information that was causing other employees to become scared so they all came back to work, but nevertheless, this report still continued. Yeah, I, you know, I am, you know, I like obviously we are in the year twenty twenty one, 
And I feel for these people who, you know, were reporting these horrible nightmares and the the horrible sightings that they saw and it wasn't being taken seriously, yeah, yeah. hoping that they could stay away from the plant. It's 2021. I work from home. I am so tempted to call my boss and be like, I just saw a thing outside the window and it only <laughs> happens when I'm working. It was it's 19 foot tall with a 400 foot wingspan. <laughs> it was, but it only happens when I'm working. Oh, the yeah, nightmares. Yeah. The nightmares. You'd never guess the nightmares. <laughs> it is interesting though. This is the first story I think I've ever read of a cryptid, but then involving nightmares as well. Um, hmm. So that's quite interesting. I, I didn't, I don't think I've ever experienced that. So is there some sort of mental thing going on here as well as a physical being? I mean, it's certainly mental. Um, <laughs> just not the way that I think you were hoping to use it. No, no. So, the, like I said, the reports continued. Um, and then we come to the fateful day of the 26th of April, 1986. After the explosion and the release of the toxic materials into the, into the air, the plant knew that it wasn't able to cope with containing the material without help. You know, it just obviously there wasn't enough staff or expertise. Obviously, at this point, a lot of people had already died in the initial explosion. Um, so it was it was chaos. So they turned to the military who were then ordered to help by putting out the fires and to construct the evacuation zone. This is where we come on to our next story. Sergeant Valery Semenov was one such soldier who had the unfortunate duty of having to throw sand and other chemicals down onto the ruins of the plant from the back of a plane. He also had a very unfortunate name by the sounds of him. <laughs> I'm sure that's a very common common name. <laughs> Just like John Smith. You know. it's, it's, it's the Russian version of John Smith. <laughs> yeah. So he had the unfortunate duty of, um, like I say, throwing chemicals on uh, out onto the fire um, out of the back of a plane as it circled above, obviously to try and reduce the fire, but obviously also to try and reduce the spread of the nuclear material as well. So he had a very important job, basically. He did. And, and one thing that I, I need to probably note about this is these weren't like protected planes. There was no... There was no like lead shielding or anything like that. There was no protection for these soldiers. Everything they did, and they knew this. Every so everything they did, every everyone involved in the emergency cleanup uh, and you know try and put out the fires and everything in this operation, yeah, knew that they were going to succumb to radiation poisoning. There were efforts to try and limit the amount of time that these guys were all spending in in this zone. But as you can imagine, you know, it's it's they're all going to be close enough. Even the guys in, in the air, they're all going to be close enough that they are going to feel these effects in their life, whether it be death, you know, so, like within the year or whether it be death within you know, an I'm, early, early. I'm death. curious. I am curious just just because I'm, you know, I'm morbid. Mm. Um, obviously, we do realize that, you know, with these the, the high levels of radi concentrated radiation, their death is near enough almost assured from it yeah. uh, just depending on how long it lasts is, the, it, is yeah. the big yeah. thing now obviously there are people who die within the year there have been people especially people who were so close to like uh what was it referred to as the elephant's foot yes. uh, that died yeah. literally within two or three days of being close to it yeah um but then you do have the people that like i said who have managed to survive well into you know the 2020s the 2010s and all that sort of stuff 
but with a severely limited quality of life. Not mm. too bad in some cases, but in a lot of the cases, severely limited in what they could do because of radiation poison. With that being said, if you were one of those people that happened to be involved around that time and you succumbed to radiation sickness, do you think it would have been better to go quickly? Or do you think that there is some sort of quality of life that you could bear to go through for the remainder of your days? I think like, it really I think it really depends on your dosage, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's 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 difficult to say because I like if if you're one of these military personnel or, or anyone in the emergency services helping with the evacuation and things like that. Yeah. Like it's you know you I guess you would you would sort of have to take solace in the fact that this is what you you know this is what you train to do and actually by you giving your time and efforts and exposing yourself to these chemicals you know that at least other people will survive and that I guess is your real what, life heroes really to be yeah honest. and that you know that's what that's what these people want to do ultimately they want to help people yes they didn't necessarily want to sacrifice their own lives but at the end of the day. It, some of this stuff comes with the territory, doesn't it? Um, it's just unfortunate that you know it happens during your time. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a difficult question to answer, really, because I've never been in that situation. Obviously, touch wood, I, I don't hope to ever be in that situation. But it's hard to say what quality of life you think if, you could if have. I w if I was hanging off a cliff over a radioactive pit, would you save me? Well, yeah. What what else? I mean, you know, if I could. Or well, are you saying if I if I well, would get contaminated by saving you? Yeah, like if you. you, you... Uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. How much? Uh, uh, how I much mean, money have you got? I mean, I mean, you're a better, you're a better <laughs> man than me. I was just going to say no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd let I'd let you hang. What I would do though <laughs> is I would stand like maybe 20, 40 feet away. I'd zoom in very close with the camera and be like, Nick, speak up. These are your final words. I need to. We get need it. to record the podcast. I, obviously, I can't see your face, so it'll just be like your fingertips. Um, and I'll be like, "Could you wiggle, like maybe your pinky, as if it's talking?" Um, I realise, and, and then when you get arsy with me, I'm like, "Mate, it's for the content." <laughs> oh, thanks. That's good to know. I'll try to not find myself hanging over a pit of nuclear waste. I mean. I'd make it there goes my Saturday, but whatever. I'll make it classy. It'll look classy. It won't be like one of those crappy YouTube you just got pranked videos. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna die. <laughs> so I will make it classy. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's that's all I ask. You're yeah. welcome. You're most welcome. Make it seem like I died a true hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But uh yeah, so back back to the story. So as I said, Sergeant Valery Semenov was in the plane throwing out uh, bags of sand and chemicals over the the pollutants. Uh, as he's as he w made his way to the back of the plane where the sandbags were, he was about to grab one when suddenly the plane banked to the right, causing him to fall on the floor. Annoyed at the pilot's complete disregard of his safety, he marched into the cockpit for an explanation. But when he arrived in the cockpit, he noticed that the two pilots' faces were just white with expressions of shock oh, and they weren't saying anything he then looked through the windscreen of the cockpit and he noticed a huge shadowy figure floating in front of him with giant red eyes the creature then flapped its wings and disappeared into the smoke oh god so a really i guess a really upfront sighting 
that actually caused the plane to have to do an evasive maneuver basically that's terrifying i mean it's it's one thing seeing the this thing on the ground but yeah seeing it from inside a plane yeah oh yeah, i don't like that and it must have been fairly close you know you think for them to see it like in the in the sky with uh, obviously there's smoke everywhere so this thing would have probably blended in quite well you know a, a blackbird if we can call it that um would have blended in quite well to black smoke you know um but so they've done well to see it the military commandos had received a number of reports from soldiers and pilots that were um in the area helping with the evacuation and with the um, with the fires mm. of this large winged creature that had been seen circling in the area above. Mm. As the fires and the smoke were eventually extinguished over a few days, the reports started to dwindle and eventually there were no further sightings. But during the eight months or so that it would take after this event to build a concrete sarcophagus or barrier around the reactor, a mm. shocking revelation came upon the military leaders. And that was that all the people who had reported seeing or having any contact with the Blackbird, whether they be military or civilian, were now dead. Oh, okay, that's morbid as hell. <laughs> God damn it, Mothy man, you're coming over to Russia. <laughs> and you're killing all these people. It's like, would you just take a day off? God's sake! I like the idea that it's, it's like a it's like a spin off episode of Mothman, where he's like, <laughs> Mothman's European vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like Mr. Bean goes on holiday or whatever the hell. <laughs> and it's just him fucking up. I, I love, Europe. I love, I love, right? So obviously, you've got the 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 famous Mothman movie, which is the Mothman prophecies. Mm. So let's say the first one is the Mothman prophecies. Then there's the Mothman two from Russia with love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then just see where he goes next. <laughs> but yeah, obviously there are there's so many sort of uh, points and things that people point to about what this could be and the the validity of it all. Mm. As you said. Is this like a Mothman thing? And a lot of people have made that connection, either suggesting that it is the Mothman or it's the same creature as the Mothman and that these things are effectively harbingers of doom. Where they... It's like a reaper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They will, they will make themselves known to people before a tragic event. Um, Mothman, it was the collapse of a bridge. I cannot remember. Point Pleasant. Uh, Point Pleasant. But I can't yeah. remember the name exactly of the bridge, but it's um... Silver something bridge, or I can't, I can't, I, I remember the, the word silver's in it somewhere. Where, sure where it basically uh, quite a few people died who were, the, the bridge collapsed while there were motorists and people on it. Um, and before the bridge collapsed, people reported seeing it. It was literally called the Silver Bridge. Okay. So I was right. It was called the Silver Bridge and it collapsed um, and took uh, quite a large amount of people with it so mm. and before uh, before like i say before that bridge collapsed people saw a mothman like creature very similar big winged black creature with red eyes um yeah. on that bridge and they'd seen it previously just like in the stories we've just told so yeah. you know what is mothman don't know some sort of demon or i one of the things i was thinking when i heard this could it be more like a guardian angel. And now it doesn't sound like a guardian, obviously sort of terrorizing people. But 
It's a what warning. If, yeah. What if it's trying to warn these people rather than, you know, rather than trying to terrify them? I, I either, say... either way, either way, even if it is trying to terrify them, perhaps right. it's what it's trying to do is make people leave that place. Yeah. Because I'll admit, I live in a city. A lot of you are aware of this. I do live in the, that that good old city of Liverpool. Um, and I, I will admit, if there was ever like many, many sightings of a dark bird-like creature with glowing red eyes that suddenly started happening over the space of like two weeks or something, I would start picking out every major big building or big site or bridge or tunnel or anything in Liverpool, and I would avoid it like the plague for the next six months just to not be anywhere near any of those things. Um, we don't have a bridge, but we do have a massive tunnel that goes from from Liverpool into the into the world. And we it goes under the River Mersey. Um, and obviously we didn't want to build a bridge over it because it ruins the view and we have a lot of um, boat traffic coming in. So it is a tunnel. Now, there are thousands upon thousands of cars that go through that every single day. So say if there was like a massive evil moth creature flying around that was warning you and that tunnel collapsed within itself. That would have probably been a mad tragedy with the amount of cars that are in it. So I'd avoid it like the plague. The world would be dead to me for the next six months. <laughs> just just like normal though, eh? Oh yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you god, you bloody wolves. <laughs> With you, with your non-purple recycling bins. <laughs> Only people who live in Liverpool will know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I know, and this show just got a big Scouse connection. Word <laughs> up, my brothers. <laughs> it's so cool. I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, I was wondering, is it something like where it's just trying to get people to avoid this? And it, it did that via physical means, but also through the nightmares and, and the dreams, you know, made people not want to go into work. Uh, which is interesting, or is this some sort of more gra- more grounded in reality, or kind of? <laughs> is this some sort of creature, a real creature, a real blackbird, let's say, that is somehow being affected by the nuclear waste and fallout that surrounds it? It is Mothra. So what we now need is to get a big lizard and throw <laughs> a lizard into Chernobyl. Wait for it to grow in size and be like Godzilla. Go and find it. Go and find the thing and kill it, and then we'll <laughs> we'll deal with Godzilla later. Did you ever see a TV show called um, River Monsters? I heard of it. I never watched it. Basically, the premise is this um, this fisher fisherman guy. Uh, he was also a like a marine biologist or something. Very very knowledgeable. He basically goes around the world searching for stories of giant r- river dwelling animals so it's generally it's generally it's generally fish but obviously like there's sometimes like crocodiles and things in there but basically what he does is he just goes around to the locals and they tell him stories of like oh there was like a kid that was dragged under the water and was eaten by this massive thing and they all think it's they all think it's some sort of monster and what he does with his obviously his knowledge of like marine animals and stuff he works out like what it's what it's most likely to be in reality and then he goes and catches it, or tries to catch it, uh, and it's really, it's really interesting show. It's like, quite um, cool, actually. I never well, actually knew that was the concept of it. I, yeah, I yeah. It's 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 actually it's a, it's quite an old show now. Like it must have been like early two thousands or so. Mm. Uh, I'm sure if you googled River Monsters, you you'd see it. But uh, quite often he ends up catching like massive fish that you just never thought could exist in these places, uh, and it's actually one of the shows that sort of got me into the idea of uh, you know 
what else is out there in 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 the world that we don't know about uh but he actually did an episode where he went to chernobyl and there were reports of giant catfish in the rivers and uh, waterways that somehow connected to some of the cooling lakes that had been used for the reactor all right uh and the the theory was that you know this nuclear radiation caused maybe caused them to get really really big and he went there and he did end up catching big catfish but they weren't you know they weren't nearly as big as sort of the yeah. the stories uh which is often bigger based. bigger than average but not enough to make yeah, you go yeah oh there's a growing problem here and he was sort of saying that it wasn't it that the fact is we know that the wildlife around chernobyl has adapted very well to the radiation um and wildlife is continuing to grow there we but we also know that it has affected it in such ways as actually the lifespan of say a lot of the birds and stuff is a lot less than they would be elsewhere mm-hmm. so they're thriving they're they're surviving long enough to mate and reproduce but they're still dying early yeah. um but the the point was that he thought that rather than it being the nuclear waste of uh of this plant that made these fish grow big. It was merely the fact that they were un- unchallenged. Uh, the, there was n- not many predators or boats, po- other pollutions, things that would generally in most of the world stop fish from getting bigger, you know? Mm. So is it possible that, you know, there is, this creature was a real creature? Now, there what there, there is a, a local bird. I don't know, obviously, now, but back when before the the accident happened there was a local bird that was called the black stork that lived in the area that could grow up to three foot three feet tall Mm. this would have a six foot wingspan and like i said a six foot wingspan is, is is really big um could it be that these creatures that people were seeing were were these possibly um Mm. certainly possible and they've just sort of uh the 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 wingspan and the size of the creature because as we've said it's difficult to tell sizes that when was a you're a perfectly cromulent point of view that... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear i couldn't think of another word for enlarged is probably what i wanted to say um so it's possible that one theory is that these were just these animals and people you know people ended up making them sound bigger and scarier than they actually were. The interesting thing about this stork is that some of them do have uh, red patches over their eyes. Oh. So that could that could quite easily. Be I, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to throw more weight towards that about the reality yeah. aspect I, of it. I couldn't find out if these birds were like more nocturnal or not because obviously a lot of these sightings happened in the either early hours of the morning or late in the evening. So I couldn't find out whether or not they were when they were most active, but. Um, it it could be something like that. So another theory is that uh, these people were having visions of this bird, possibly due to things like exposure, but also maybe stress, stress of the situation, stress of working where they worked, and then perhaps with the military guys, the stress of obviously you know trying to contain this thing that could kill you know hundreds of thousands of people, um, and that actually these were just visions. Also. Well, let's face it, Chernobyl's in Russia. I mean, like, they're scary people. <laughs> so if you're working for Russians, you're gonna be stressed. Let's not let's not beat around the book. Yeah, and on top of that, um, it turns out that in nineteen eighty two, so a few years before, there'd actually been a partial meltdown at this plant, which the Soviet Union authorities had covered up. 
So these workers probably all knew that it had happened before. Some of them maybe were working there when it happened before. So that's got to cause quite a bit of stress to think, oh, shit, you know, this could happen again. Mm. So is it is it the stress? And then finally, you know, is it mass hysteria? Um, which we've talked Ooh, about on this, on we this do show enjoy a, a mass hysteria. We do, and we we've seen how you know stressful stressful events, given the right um, you know ingredients and the right situation, can lead to these lead to sightings or lead can to you imagine little little Petrov who works down in the the cooling station. He's looked out the window. He's seen a big bird, and he's thought, "Uh oh, that's a bad sign," and he's thought about it all day. And as he's going to go and tell his manager that he's just seen a harbinger of death outside the window, he comes across a nun who's meowing. <laughs> he's like, oh, well, this isn't a good sign either. <laughs> yeah, if you come across a, a giant blackbird in the sky and then a, a meowing nun, like your, your time is limited. <laughs> Very limited. I mean, uh, I all, would, uh, all, the, I all the signs were there. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um and then and then absolutely finally there is obviously the theory that this is just a story um brought up mm. by people and actually the the story of the blackbird wasn't really known until the invention of the internet so of it could just be one of those things where people like to put a bit more mystery in tragedy um and and that is a thing. Do you know? I th- there always seems to be some sort of thing like this when it comes to big natural tragic events. Well, obviously this wasn't natural, but you know, tragic events is what I meant. Um, and Chernobyl obviously has its own Mothman. You do have the 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 Mount Pleasant incident with the Silver Bridge with Mothman again, but that was stories. You you always have some sort of thing. I, I think um, if you remember uh, when nine eleven happened, um, it didn't happen right away, but it was a good few years afterwards where people were starting to notice faces in the dust clouds yeah, and the fire. And, and it obviously it's not a, a cryptid or a creature, and it wasn't like a Mothman type of thing, but they were trying to say that they could see like the devil's face yeah. and things like that. And um, it's almost as if people create stories like this occasionally to sort of feel better about it. Because yeah, then you start if, thinking it's like not, nothing that you could have done. Yeah, it's, it's not human error. Yeah, sure, it's, it's no yeah, longer yeah. human error, or in 9-11's case, you know, yeah, human being point. evil. It's it was something that you couldn't have stopped mm. because there was some sort of demonic entity out there that had decided that this was happening. Or, and or at like the a end, destiny, you know, yeah, just, and just... at the end of the day, you're just a human and you can't fight against like a demonic presence. It's just not gonna happen. So it makes yeah. people feel better. Now do I think that these stories are daft? Most often than not, yes. Uh, I, I quite like the Mothman stories. Um, mm. Whether or not I believe, again, we'll neither agree nor disagree with it. I will say I don't believe the 9-11 one at all, um, because you can see faces in almost anything if you look hard enough. Yeah, um, so I, I saw I but, saw on online the other day that someone had bought, like a, I can't remember if it was something like a piece of toast that resembled Jesus' face for like 50 grand Jesus, or something. Jesus appears on toast. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, yeah. He loves he has, toast. <laughs> he's, he's always appears on, on toast um, and stuff like that. But it's just, it's, do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's that kind of thing where Jesus you, bread. if you're looking for something hard enough, you will find it. Whether sure, it's true or not, sure. you will find it. So, or if, if like um, you say, if, it, if it's just a kind of a coping mechanism for tragedy, then that's It also that's be, fair, could yeah. very well that's be. Um, I mean, who are we to judge at the end of exactly, the day? Exactly, um, exactly. That's that's my story of the, of the Blackbird. I'm, I'm of going with it was, it was Mothy Man. 
It was yeah. it was good on Mothy. Um, that is where I'm going with that. That's what I now believe. Um, I'm sticking I, with it. Either, whether I believe or don't believe, like you said, is kind of irrelevant. But I like what people are doing with these stories and they're kind of interweaving reality with potential fiction or, or other stories. You know what I yes. mean? I like that because it makes it makes the the spoonful of medicine you're trying to feed me a little bit more digestible mm. because you I know some of it's true. So therefore... So what you're saying could be true as well. I always enjoy these things because I feel they add a little bit more magic to the world. Yeah. You sure. know, it's yeah. it's not the dull... I mean, it's obviously a dull and depressing story. Not dull, maybe, but depressing, definitely. Grey, maybe, is the word I would use instead of mm. dull. Um, and it is a depressing story, especially with everything that happened. But at the same time, when you start throwing a... I, I know this sounds really daft, but when you start throwing a harbinger of death around, <laughs> um, it starts thinking, okay, there's something other than just a scientific failure here that we might not understand, there could be something else. Yeah. And it's that little air of mystery that makes the world a little bit more interesting, because obviously eventually we will be able to explain why a, a reactor melted down the way it was, but you're never going to be explained why you saw a demon flying about. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that that is something that I should obviously preface, is there there isn't really much written testimony on this. This is all eyewitness accounts, and unfortunately... The eyewitness that have been responsible for the stories are all dead, so you can't yeah. even, you know, you can't even interrogate them and say you can't yeah, even exactly. dox their Facebooks exactly. and be like, "Why are you telling lies?" <laughs> no, at the, at the end of the day, though, most of the stories that we do tell do come from witness accounts, sure. and as we always try to explain to you, take that with a pinch of salt. It's why we're called the salty speculation because we speculate exactly. everything, and I'm a very salty man. Um, <laughs> but at the give end him of a link, find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> if you see Jay in public, just give him a lick. Just, just walk up and give him a lick. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it is just the way that it is. Um, I thank you for telling that story. Thank you. I really do. Um, it is one of those things that it's 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 a very good, very good topic. Um, it's a very good subject that you've raised, and it's one of those that has made me go, "Well, my story shit in comparison." He went full Chernobyl. Um, he no went, one ever goes full Chernobyl. <laughs> absolute full Chernobyl. Went into the history of Chernobyl. Went into the mindset of the people, and I'm looking at mine going, <laughs> "I didn't do any of that." Jay, um, it's not a competition. Mine's just bigger. Sword fight right now. <laughs> Wipe it out. Let's do this. Um, I read something the other day, and I I can't remember where this was, but you just said sword fight, and it completely re like reminded me. Two mates were getting drunk. I think this was in Russia or somewhere like that, and they were getting they were they were like best friends from school, and they were getting drunk together, and they obviously ultimately got drunk enough they decided to have a a, a sword fighting contest basically, and because one of the guys was obviously bigger than the other. The other guy ended up, like, chopping his head off or something. Oh. And this really happened. Right, so you and I will use Nerf swords. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't see the point of actually beheading you. I've grown rather fond. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, think, I think we need our heads. Yeah. But, but in uh, both senses in oh, this God. equation. Anyway, just... let's stop talking about the male genitalia. Never. And let's start talking about whatever it is you've got for me. Thank you for your story. That's much better than mine. Um, we're going to move on now <laughs> to my story. Um, I feel I didn't feel like I needed it originally, but I will now come out with it now. I've had a very busy week, ladies and gentlemen. I've had so much going on at work. So 
Forgive my story not being as hard as Jay, That's next. Jay, your job is not important. I wish you would quit so that we can just tell stories all day long, like old men sitting on the porch. Dear boss, give me P45. In this instance, P stands for podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so I have had a little look. And as I said, when we were discussing what cryptids were, I, I've come across a cryptid sighting that actually happened this year, um, okay. which was interesting, which was uh, which is what I was initially looking for. I thought I would. I mean, you, obviously, in your rant earlier, you were talking about how there wasn't, you know, there wasn't as many as you thought, but you managed to find one at least. Yeah, well, through the... 1262 pages of Loch Ness sightings. Um, I managed to find one that wasn't, which is fantastic. And we all know I hate the the whole Nessie thing because stop looking for it for God's sake, just stop. It's not it doesn't belong to you. That's all I need to today. But what I did manage to find was a cryptid that's so interesting because we can't actually figure out. What it is. As in, we can't look at it and go, oh, that could be a Bigfoot. That could be a Thunderbird. You, you mean like it's, a... it's got its its own classification because it's not like any, it's not like anything. Yeah. Well, no. Here's the thing. The person who witnessed it had managed to describe it and things that it looked like and things that it did. That hmm. when you read the description over, you can think it's one or the other, and you start thinking, wait, hold on wow, what actually was this thing? Okay. And and that is what drew, drew me to it. So this happened at the Wisconsin State Fair. Where dreams come true. It is where dreams come true. <laughs> now, again, this is purely a witness account. And as such, as I've said before, we take it as a pinch of salt, as the description will most likely change over the time as the story's passed on. You know, a little game of cryptid whispers, so to speak. So let me set the scene for you. It was a wonderful day at the Wisconsin State Fair. The trees were singing, the birds were swaying. <laughs> children ran around causing mayhem, hopped up on candy floss and soda pops. I'd imagine that's what children are doing. Oh, sounds you like got my childhood. Adults masking the sadness of their lives by drinking beer out of little red disposable cups. You know, the usual shape from a state fair. Um, I'd do, imagine there was... Just off topic for a minute. Do Americans have to drink alcohol out of red cups? Yeah, is that just uh, there, like... there is actually a song about that. Um like a little disposable red cup. I, I, I can't remember what they call it, but it is the, the little red cup is the stereotype. And it's because it's the little disposable throwaway red cup. It's the stereotype of Americans walking you, around drinking beer. Like, for example, in, in, in England, you, you'll never get like red cups. Like, you'd have to go out of your way to find a red plastic cup. Yeah, we just do things better. We just do, well, we just have clear. We have. You know, plastic. we have class and stand your standards. That's <laughs> we would it. never drink out of plastic, dear. We're only teacups. <laughs> well, exactly, <laughs> little little plastic teacups. We have pinkies the... in the air. Exactly, sir. Mm, spiffy. Um, now, I'd also imagine there were rides and stalls at this state fair. You know, the usual stuff that you would get at like a carnival type thing. Sure. Um, you know, for people to go peruse, and of course, you know, the other thing that they'd have because it's an actual fair, there was live musical performances on a poorly designed stage. Because that's the way that they always go. Now, the witness in this instance was one of the stagehands, a middle-aged woman who has not given her name. She refused to give her name mostly because she thought she'd be ridiculed by her community. Again, not certain... because she'd forgotten what it was. It could be. It could be an amnesia. I mean, it could be an amnesia thing. But 
again, um, with the I know that obviously America has is home to very very big cities, but it's also home to very very little small towns and little hmm. little communities where community is still a thing that's you know widely relied upon. Um, probably didn't want to seem as if she was absolutely mental in her own community, um, so that's why she's remained anonymous. No, but, fair enough, I get that. So she's reported that after the show, the music show, shall we say, <laughs> um, she's looking towards the car park and she noticed this large towering creature standing in the middle of the car park lot. It was dark, was standing at a height of roughly eight foot, an odd-shaped body with an elongated head, arms that resembled folded wings, like how you would get on a moth, for example. Naturally, I read that okay. and shot myself. <laughs> but most notably... It's Mothman. And here's the reason I went for this one. But most notably, glowing yellow eyes. Okay. Ah, I see. See, I love throwing a spanner on the works when it comes to his <laughs> red eye theory. But glowing yellow eyes. Now, that on its own is a terrifying description, especially seeing something like that up close. Now, it's worth noting that this whole area is known for having many winged cryptids. Like, there are several websites and institutions that are de dedicated to documenting large flying creatures from the Chicago area. Chicago being only 100 miles south of where the Wisconsin State Fair was. So, if this indeed was a cryptid, uh, especially a flying cryptid, it's not unfeasible to think that a creature could have flown, you know, 100 miles to join in on the festivities for, you know, a beer or two. Of course, <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, uh, free, free admission and, you know, all the candy floss you can eat. Well, you know, why wouldn't you? And, and I love it because state fairs, like, they're normally attributed to, you know, live music, crap rides, drinking beer and monster trucks. And now we've got actual monsters showing up. So it's, maybe he it's, was I, driving one of the trucks. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a monster in a normal truck. Driving car <laughs> number seventy-six, Mothman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now here's the thing with this creature, right? This creature never actually raised its wings. It looked like it had wings, as mm. the woman had described, but it never like flapped them or anything. What it did do was it started making some odd, odd screeching noises. And it skulked towards her in a menacing fashion. Now, that's how she's described it. But mm. I hear the term menacing fashion, and I assume it's like how in a Broadway play, you know, when the bruisers are walking towards the people for a fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and that's how I like to think of this, and it takes the intimidation factor away completely. But it is noted that it wasn't walking like a bird or something with wings. It was mm. more like a human in this instance, the way it was okay. skulking forward. Now, it was getting close to her quite quickly before it heard a loud noise from one of the speakers on the stage, and it promptly took off running with great speed into the distance where she eventually lost sight of it. Now, it's worth noting there, this thing ran. It didn't fly. It ran. Now, the original description that was given would make you think that this was some sort of a bird or possible bug-like creature because of the way that she said the wings were. Mm. With, glowing, with glowing eyes, pinned to a Mothman. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, uh, granted, Mothman has red eyes and has always been reported as red eyes, but this one had yellow eyes. It's also noted that it is evening time, but it's not evening as it's dark. It's like the sky is going blue, like dark blue, and she's seeing these eyes glowing yellow as clear as day. Yeah. So it's... Okay, that's, that's very, very odd. But when it's walking towards her and it retreated it seemed to have changed its characteristics. So it wasn't like a creature that could fly anymore. The way that she describes it when it's walking towards her and indeed runs away, it's now sort of gone from like a Mothman-style bird creature to 
what I'm thinking is more like how a werewolf is described in traditional media. You know, with the, the sort of skulking long, um, what you call it, collarbone, and the way it walks towards it, and then always having the arms down straight as it runs, because like it doesn't want to flap but around. She said this thing was like eight feet. I mean, that's taller than any man. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. I mean, she did describe yeah. it as towering. So, yeah. here's the thing. With it looking like from a distance like it has wings, to suddenly it's skulking towards you like a human, and all this sort of stuff. And then, of course, there's the speed in which it ran away. And how it looked when it was running. What is it? It could be any number of things. Now, it is also worth saying, there is a rather well-known cryptid in the Wisconsin area anyway, um, and it's called the Wisconsin Dogman. Mm, now, yes. the Wisconsin Dogman is relatively famous in the cryptid world. Mm -hmm. For the reason it's so famous is because it's the only cryptid that has ever come as close in the traditional description to that of what we would think of as a werewolf, at least on this planet. Yes. Yeah. Every other cryptid, if you're ever thinking about wolves or anything along that, it's never like how you'd think when you're when you're reading about them in stories, you know, where they're standing on their hind legs and they walk like humans, but they're clearly massive dogs. They're normally just bigger dogs or bigger wolves, sort of like the big cats thing, mm. but they're just wolves. But this, when it's described, is like a werewolf, just without calling it. A werewolf, if you will. Um, yeah, so so a, a man that has that that, I, that has characteristics of, of both, you know, yeah. things. Except instead of a wolf, it seems to be maybe more of a flying creature, like a bat or something. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. Because mm. there so are I... there are tall bats around. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Wisconsin has them or not. I don't believe so. No, but you know that could be. When the, when you first said about the yellow eyes. My th first thought was like some sort of owl or something because be. they often have yellow eye yellow eyes. Um, but then the fact that it didn't move like a bird that that really just like you say eliminates anything, exactly. almost anything that uses its wings. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's it's one of these where she's come out with the description that she's given is is I mean she was quite descriptive with it. She genuinely was, but. Depending on what the creature's doing, its description changes, which is where yeah. I find it odd. So if it's standing still, it suddenly adopts a stance as if it's got folded wings, but then it starts moving, and then suddenly it's walking like a human. Like, if you had wings like a moth, you wouldn't be able to walk as you normally would. There would clearly be, you know, like a jittery motion, if you would, because of the extra weight and all that kind of thing. But it, it's so strange, and because here what you have is a cryptid sighting that could be I, I, the only one I would rule out completely is the Thunderbird, because obviously the Thunderbirds are meant to be gigantic birds with massive wingspans. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, st I'm still not counting it out. Any bird or flying creature that heard a noise or whatever and got scared would fly, I, yes. I think, wouldn't it? I'd it, imagine it wouldn't... so. Unless it's, oh, no, oh, unless it's a London pigeon. Those things don't move for anything. <laughs> um, but what my point is here is what you've got is you've got a description of a creature that this woman had saw, which could be, and again, I, I'm not ruling it out, but I'd say it's the less likely of the lot. Mm -hmm. um, there's a Thunderbird. Possible Mothman sighting. Possible. Because it does match certain descriptions, albeit without the flying, but glowing red eyes, uh, glowing yellow eyes, sorry, should I say? That's my mm -hmm. bad. But then switches to a more wolf-like persona. 
which could then be Wisconsin Dogman. So it's like three cryptids in one. Yeah. It's like they've all got together and had a baby. <laughs> yeah. No. It could be a combo hybrid creature. A lichen bird. Mothwolf. One of those. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be either of those. Who knows? But I want to get into the witness a little bit more, right? Granted, she never gave many details about herself, but it is noted that she was a stagehand for the band that was playing at the fair. Yeah. Now, whilst I'm not sure of the name of the band, I can tell you they were a Christian rock band because obviously they were. Okay. <laughs> right. So she is a diehard Christian to boot, which is why she'd be a stagehand. Jesus. I want to get down on my knees and start pleasing Jesus. No. Um, so. <laughs> She is a diehard Christian. She sees this creature. And like if you and I had saw this creature, we'd think, oh my God, we saw like a horrible looking creature that could be a cryptid. Like, what was that trying to explain it? She yeah. sees it and she naturally assumes it's the devil or some course, demonic yeah. entity taking shape that's I imagine coming. if like a lot of Christians would see like a squirrel, they'd be like, That's the devil. Of course, of course. But she sees it as a demonic entity, it's taking shape and it's coming to stop the spirit of Christian harmony. Because why wouldn't you? And by skulk, like you know, slowly skulking towards them after the show is done, she's considered it the harbinger of souls of Wisconsin. <laughs> now, I don't believe that to be true, but that is truly what she believes. She sure. believes that what she saw was not a creature, it's a demon. And it was sent to test her faith, sent to test the faith of people at the fair and, you know, generally ruin the good fun and atmosphere of all the Christians having a gay old time. I have you know? a question. Uh-huh. Like when people say, like, "Oh, it's sent to test my faith." How did that? You never test understand. How did I that never, test I never like, understand this when people say it was sent to test my faith. Would it have I been if it, it caught her? It would have been like, "Renounce Jesus, go on, bitch, do it." You know what I mean? Like, what, what? How does? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? I never, I never understand. I never understand. I, I always think, I always think when people say that phrase, mm. they've come out with um, an over, overly dramatic phrase. Yeah, is what they've done. Yeah. They've come out with an overly dramatic phrase to give their story more weight. It was sent to test me. No, it's not sent. It was just there and you witnessed it. It's yeah. called yeah. a natural event that you just happen to be a part of. It's yeah. not. It's just, that's it. It's. Ugh. I, I can I can understand when people don't understand something and let's say they're religious that they then go, it must be something more divine in nature, you know, or. or yeah. um, Something that we don't understand on the earth, but a it's got something load of crap, is what it is. But yeah, I can't understand how it would. It has to be to do with you know Jesus or the devil or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, let's let's explore that opportunity when all the others are are not possible, not plausible. You know, um, one thing that I was thinking, mm -hmm. this being a carnival or a fair. Would there have been people dressed up as things? Could this have been some sort of costume? No, it's, it's, like it's a man? not that kind a of costume no. of of um, you know, of Mothman or something. No, no, Wisconsin's not really a Mothman area. Um, mm. And even then, this isn't like a. This is just a state fair. This is this is just regular people meeting up to have a drink, have a laugh for the sake but like of some, community. Sometimes at fairs you have like floats and costumes and stuff. Yeah, nothing like this. So this is this is more like, you know how in Britain we have carnivals that show up, hmm. like to every major town. They're always run by gypsies and it's always a rip-off. 
Um, <laughs> it's always the same thing. They all have the same Damn signs. Carnies. But it's, it's you just go, you get ripped off, you have a terrible time, but you all pretend like you're having a good time. It's that, but on a bigger scale with monster trucks. Right. That is it. There's no people dressing up. Half the people that go to these things are still wearing the clothes that they wore the day before. You know, they're not really bothered. It's just it's just people showing up. Not to judge the good people of Wisconsin, but you're all scum. They're saving on their laundry bill. I think we've only got like one listener in Wisconsin, so if we lose you, it's not the biggest problem. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Subside. This woman, like, she thinks is a demonic entity. I think she's daft, personally. It's clearly a werewolf, you know. And, you know, if you know much about werewolves, they have no ties to Christ or Lucifer, for that matter. He's just showed up, you know, for a hot dog. See what I did there? See? See what I did there? Dog, man. Hot dog. Get it? <laughs> no. Arse. You know how werewolves and vampires are, like, arch enemies, Supposedly. Supposedly. It's, Supposedly. That's, that's a Apparently. TV thing. That's a TV and media thing. Let's not get into that. Wrong. I, I, I hate what the media has done to lichens and vampires. I hate it. I hate it so badly. But continue. Maybe it was a vampire and a werewolf who became friends. Maybe they went through some sort of series of movies together. I don't know. But they became friends and they decided to attend the carnival. But the the vampire was tired. So he was like, can I just ride on your back, please, werewolf man? Oh, it's a, so it's, it's not wings. It was the vampire cape. Well, it was it was either the vampire cape or the vampire wings. But he was mm. it was the man sitting on top of the werewolf. Just a wee vampire, a wee vampire, and a and a werewolf walking through a car park, having a whale of a time. The way the the wee, the wee vampires like listening, like you know, got his mouth close to the ears of the werewolf, just giving it a wee bit of how sweet it is to be loved by you. And just as he's getting into it, he hears this mental Christian bint on the other end of the car park, screaming our lungs out. And of course they'd run away. Of course they were having a lovely little friendship date. She came along and ruined it and said yeah. that they were harbingers of death. Yeah, and they were like, oh, yeah. they were so offended that they were just, they just ran off. They're like, back to the woods, Jonathan. <laughs> and he ran away. The idea, the idea of a werewolf creature being called Jonathan. I don't know why. I love it. Jonathan the wolf. John the wolf. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. I, I believe that's a whole new theory which needs to be looked you into. You can't You've... prove it didn't happen. No, you're absolutely right, and that is the worry. Therefore, it happened. <laughs> Therefore, I cannot disprove it. Therefore, it's clearly the thing that happened. Either way, I'd say it's genuinely one of the more interesting things to happen in Wisconsin <laughs> over the past few years. When in 2021 did this happen, or when was I, it reported? I'll be honest, I didn't look when the actual fair was. I was too into the story. I'm just curious if it was fairly recent. Maybe we'll get more stories to come about this this kind of creature or these sightings in Wisconsin. It's possible. I mean, there has been many a sighting of the the Dogman uh, mm. cryptid in Wisconsin, hence why it's such a popular um, cryptid. Now, those, uh, if you remember right, how when we talked about the Catman, I realised the Catman was not a cryptid, it was more of an urban legend. But there were various sightings of the Catman throughout the years. Some years you'd have maybe, you know, nine or ten sightings, some years you'd have none. Mm. Um, the Wisconsin Dogman is very much the same. Some years you will have, you'll be sighted on every street corner of every day of every calendar month. And then other years, yet you don't see anything. 
You know, sure. he's just he's, he's he's not talked about to the point where he's almost forgotten, and then boom, he's back again. So he, the Wisconsin Dogman, if it is indeed a he, I realize it's called Dogman, um, but at the end of the day, could still be roaming around, could be another Catman style thing where it's just someone yeah. who's gone rabid. Um, yeah, could be. You yeah. never know. You honestly never know. But the people, the good people of Wisconsin, claim to think that he is a werewolf. The descriptions follow along with that sort of thing. Um, so you will see most of them now because she has described this thing at the start as mostly like a bird or a winged creature. It's why it's not come under the Dogman remit, mm. um, and it's being reported as an extra cryptid. Um, I believe I'll be perfectly honest with you that there isn't many reportings of this particular incident. I came across the article. I read the article. I drew my own conclusions from her description. So you probably find we were maybe the third or fourth outlet that has been talking about this case. And I've given my own point of view on it from our descriptions alone. None of those other articles have drawn a conclusion to the Wisconsin dogma. Hmm. Um, we have, or sorry, should I say I have, mostly from the description of how it moves. Um, so that's why it wouldn't be counted at that. They think it's some giant bird. But again, if it was some giant bird, as you rightly said, Nick, it would fly away. It didn't. It ran. Yeah, and and even though, like, okay, there are obviously flightless birds that are quite large. There are, yeah. But there again, are. she in your story, you, you said that she specifically said it didn't walk like a bird or didn't move like a bird. It didn't walk like a bird, no. Which it obviously the like big birds kind of do move like birds, obviously. So With a, it, with a little head wobble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you could say it's like an ostrich or something, which, you know, or a rhea or some sort of bird like that, which pro they wouldn't get to eight feet necessarily, but they could get close. You could probably get one, you Would know. Would an ostrich not get to eight feet? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not. Maybe, exactly. maybe if it, maybe if it like reared its head up, perhaps. Um, it's possible. But then again, but... it defeats the purpose because, like, she did say. The description that she gave was nothing like an ostrich. Yeah, I mean, at the yeah, end of the sure, day, an ostrich yeah. has a th has a thin, long neck, mm -hmm. but then it has a you know a big round body. Whereas yeah. this thing did didn't. It was more like a like a towering creature, um, yeah. like a, with a full on body. So um, that that still doesn't work with the description. But I see your point. Flightless birds are a thing, but mm. this didn't walk like a flightless bird it walked more like a human so but this is why i wanted to bring more attention to this story because it is a cryptid that could be from the description numerous things and i yeah. realize there are no photos to back this up as are often with cryptid stories there aren't any video footage again as there is with cryptid stories so it is taking it with a pinch of salt but when you're hearing that description and this amalgamation of all these different things it could be something that we're already aware of and that people have been hunting, or it could be something entirely new that we don't know. The possibilities are quite vast. Yeah, it's an exciting that. possibility, isn't it? Mm. And I thought for something, for something that was cited in 2021, in my mind, this is fresh. This is new. Mm. This is something that might not have ever been considered before. I mean, it could be a complete and utter letdown, and the woman is actually just a lover of drugs. She might be a she might be a hardcore Christian, but she might like rumors. So Do you know when you when, before you'd said because you said she was a you know basically a roadie in the band, she was a set up um, person for the band. Yeah, my first thoughts were drugs, but then you went on to say she was Christian, and I thought, well, it's still quite possible, but I don't want to start casting accusations like that. She could she could <laughs> just be one of those like Christians that takes a lot of drugs. 
The more drugs I do, the less there are for the kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's doing it out of, you know, Christian community spirit. So who knows? But that is the Wisconsin State Fair bird winged wolf. Bird monster. wolf. Or vampire wolf, as we, you know. Lichen bird. <laughs> lichen bird. I do lichen those birds. Lichen bird. So that is the story of that. And that's all I have to share. So well, thank you've you, got. Kate. No, that was great. That's, um, it's nice, like you say, it's exciting to actually hear new kind of stories of possibly new cryptids so recently, because as you said before, there really hasn't been anything for a, for a long time. Oh, there and, has not. And yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that there's potential new ones, even if it is something that uh, a documented creature that is known to science and she just was mistaken, or if it's something completely new and different, either way is exciting to me. Um, you know, I like, I'd like to hear more stories and see if anyone else has seen anything that could come close to what she saw. If anything like that even exists. Exactly. Now I'm going to try and find pictures the best way to describe these individual creatures, if we will, and post them on our Instagram, which you can find at the Salty Speculation, where I post, well, sorry, Salty Spartan posts a lot of crap every week. Um, I'm going to try and find some pictures to send to the Salty Spartan to upload so that he can upload them so you can get a description of the, like a visual representation of what we've talked about today. Um, yeah, that's a just, good idea. Might just randomly ask him to upload a photo of Chernobyl. Bugger it, easy content. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also do, of course, in that same vein, we do have a Twitter page. Uh, that Twitter page is also at the Salty Speculation. Uh, you people have been absolutely wonderful. In the last week, we have gained six of you. No idea why you Ooh. followed it. We we shit talk it every week because we don't know what we're doing with it. But six of you thought it was a good idea to go and join. Our numbers are growing soon. We will take over. I wonder if one of those people was a, uh, a Wisconsin band setter upper. <laughs> we will know if we lose one of those followers within the week. Um, <laughs> from there, we do have a TikTok do what you like with it because we don't know what we're doing um and i'm just i'm loving this that i've just made off of my head it's art of cringe but i'm gonna say it anyway from liking birds to like and subscribe go and hit that like and follow button on our youtube channel <laughs> can we like and leave <laughs> <laughs> ah you ruined it you ruined it we also do have an email address and this is important because if you have ever seen a moth wolf if you have ever been to Chernobyl and grown an extra hand, we want to know about it. I and if really is... want to know if you've grown an extra hand. Like, I mean, even if you be... haven't been to Chernobyl. I'm just saying, if you've grown an extra hand, it will make typing the email so much quicker. And you can send that email to Nick. Take it away. The salty speculation at gmail.com. That is dot com. It's very important. If dot you don't put that in, come. It wouldn't go. Not dot org. <laughs> not dot gov. Don't even try .co.uk. That's racist. Just keep it at .com. But that is our social links. Furthermore, thank you very much to the two lovely ladies at Homespun Hints for sending over their promo. It was a pleasure to have you on. I can only say go and listen to them. They are two very good friends of mine. They have some excellent content. It will scare the utter shit out of you. But please go and do that as well. And for anybody wondering... Who the fuck Mothman and the Dogman are. Yes, at some point, we will probably do an episode on them too. So stay tuned. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs>